Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Uh, we're going to be taking a little step away from Isaiah, um, and we'll return back there, Lord willing, as we come back into May. But um, we want to spend some time just intentionally um, beginning to prepare ourselves as we walk toward Easter. And uh, something this year I'm going to do a little bit differently is we're going to kind of walk through Jesus' final week. And um, so, again, if the Lord wills, this morning, Sunday through Wednesday, hopefully next Sunday, Thursday, the following, the 14th would be the Friday, and then as we come to Easter we would deal with Sunday of Jesus' final week. In preparation for uh, this message and the series as a whole, uh, one of the books I've been reading through is Andres Kostenberger's book, and it's entitled this, The Final Days of Jesus, The Most Important Week of the Most Important Person Who Ever Lived. And listen to how he begins it. He says, The year was 8033. The excitement of the cool spring air of Jerusalem was palpable. Thousands of Jewish pilgrims had gathered all around the world for the upcoming Passover feast. And the word is spread that Jesus, this 30-something itinerant rabbi, prophet, and healer from Galilee, had raised Lazarus from the dead and withdrawn from Bethany, a village just a couple miles east of Jerusalem, to a town called Ephraim in the wilderness, and was staying at Bethany during the weekend prior to Passover. Many had gone to Passover. Uh, Many had gone to Bethany to see Jesus and Lazarus with the result that they believed in Jesus and they returned to the city, right? Telling everyone there's someone who has raised the dead. The Passover crowds and the hatred of Roman rule had left Jerusalem like a powder keg ready for a spark. Winds of revolution whipped through the air of Palestine throughout the first century. And Jesus, with his teaching authority, ability to capture the imagination of the masses, not least on account of his ability to heal and raise the dead, looked very much the part of the long-awaited Messiah. In order to gain and maintain power, the Romans could kill, which they did quite effectively. But how could they defeat a leader who could raise the dead at will? After observing the Sabbath Friday evening through Saturday evening at Bethany, Jesus arose Sunday morning to enter the city of Jerusalem. It was March 29, AD 33, the first day of the last week of his earthly life. And as we walk through this beginning here Sunday through Wednesday of the last days of Jesus' final week here on earth prior to his crucifixion, one thing begins to stand out in our study today. Is this truth that religion won't save you? No matter how much you're depending upon it, no matter how many times you come to church, no matter how much you could put in the offering plate, no matter how much you obey this or do this right or do that right, or you stop cussing or stop looking at porn or you, you stop doing this. And I mean, you've done all these things. Listen, t- today in the text, Jesus continually will c- encounter the most religious people on the face of the earth. I mean, they are holding fast to this Old Testament, which you and I have. And a resounding truth continues to permeate the air. Religion will not save you. And the danger is, if we're not really careful, when we hear about these people, we think it's about these people and not about these people. Are you with me? 
The danger is we'll hear this text today and we'll think it's about someone else. That's their heart. And the truth is our own hearts are just as wicked. And listen, 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 listen. I want you to just hear this this morning. There's a great danger for many of us who have grown up in the church. We have also learned to play the religion game well. But there is a God who is coming and will stand before these people in whom you and I will also stand. And he's not a God who looks at outward appearance. He looks at what? The heart. In studying this, I want you to know, as I looked and I read this this past week, I was mowing Thursday night and I I mean, I was... Dude, I was just pumped beyond my, I was like, man, I'm not even going to keep my line straight, right? That was always important to my dad. Some of you are mowers, right? Keep your line straight, right? I was just, I was just like, yes. Jesus is a bull. I mean, dude, he is like a roaring lion this week. Like when I, when I watch him, I'm like, dude, that guy right there, he is, I mean, he just absolutely comes at the most, the people who can send him to the cross, he faces them eye to eye, toe to toe, and never, ever backs down. I mean, if you've ever thought Jesus is this wimpy, sissy, like, lamb who's, like, so soft and, and kind, I, I want you to hear this week, he is the lamb of God, but he is also the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. And this week, in his final week, Jesus just comes roaring. And I, I want you to hear it. And I mean, I was just there on the lawnmower this week. I was like, that's my Savior. That boss right there, that is my Savior. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He is absolutely on a tear this week. His final week of his earthly life. And so I want you to hear, again, as we start, the truth. Religion won't save you. Pick up if you would. Matthew chapter 21. It's Sunday. March 29th, AD 33. And the King is coming. Matthew begins in verse 1 of Matthew 21 saying, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. So again, this is Sunday. He's coming back into the village. All the people right, are celebrating Lazarus having been raised from the dead. He's walking toward Jerusalem. He's saying, Go, get the colt, untie, bring it to me. Right? So, Understand all this imagery. You're walking with Christ here in his final days. This is Sunday. He'll be dying on the cross on Friday. So get it. Capture it. I want you to feel this week. I want you to walk in this week. If anyone says anything to you, verse 3, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This, listen to this, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, saying this. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Do you hear that? Your king is coming. But listen to how he comes. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. So Jesus is fulfilling... Right. Matthew says this is a fulfillment of Zechariah 9 and 9. Isaiah writes about this. There's some um, statements back in Genesis. Right. Of some different things are kind of culminating all here. But it's clear this is a messianic prophecy. Like whoever does this, this is the true Messiah. 
This is the true Messiah that's coming. He, he's, he's walking in this imagery. Right? Also, 1 Kings chapter 1, I think it's verses 32 through 40. This is how Solomon, after when David's preparing to die, and listen, there's all this battle, like which son's going to take the throne? This is exactly how David says, listen, get my mule, put Solomon on it, and ride him through the streets so everybody will know, that's my son, that's the true king. Jesus is doing that very thing. He's riding in to Jerusalem saying, the king is coming. And it's interesting, watch what happens here with the crowd. Most of the crowd, verse 8, this is spread their cloaks on the road. This is a sign of dignitary, right? You are welcoming someone. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. But something more is happening. This is not just some person that's of great nobility. They're recognizing, welcoming in him. Listen to what happens. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna! They're saying, Savior! Messiah! Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I don't know if you're hearing the voices of children in a moment. You're going to hear children in the temple praising the Messiah. And they try to get the kids to be quiet. Some of you may feel that this morning, trying to keep your kids quiet. Jesus says, don't hush them. From the lips of children and infants, I have ordained praise. Listen to this. So the people are crying out, right? And when he enters Jerusalem, the whole city is stirred up saying, who is this? Right? Is this the Messiah? That's what everybody's wondering. This guy that raised Lazarus from the dead, is he actually the Messiah? Why? Because they believe the Messiah is going to finally, once and for all, throw off Roman oppression. The Messiah is going to come and make everything religiously right, right? I mean, this is the hope. This is the hope. Is this, this, is it finally, like they're thinking, can you imagine? This is finally the time. It's going to happen. And the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Right? I mean, listen, when they're calling him son of David here, right? They're saying, Hosanna, Savior. This is treason, right? They're saying that he's king. Now, if you lived in Rome, you know there's no king but who? But Caesar. This is a direct challenge to two specific groups of folks. One, the religious rulers. This is the Messiah. And so the question they have to say, if this is truly the Messiah, then we have to worship and follow him. And it's also a challenge to the Roman people. Why? Because if this is actually the true king, then that means Caesar is not. And for the people to yell this, listen, they are inciting Romans to come and crush and oppress them. And so look what happens further. Verse 15, jump with me a little bit ahead. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? This is the moment. So you, you have to understand them, what's happening all the way leading up to Friday, right? You, sometimes you hear Friday and think, how do they get to Friday? This moment just like this. Listen to the question again. Listen to this, all right? So they're saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Even children are crying it out, right? And listen to the question they ask him. Do you hear what these what? What they're saying. Do you hear them saying, Hosanna to the Son of David? Do you hear them? They're calling you the Messiah. They're saying that you're a king. This is the moment, right, for Jesus right here. He's at this moment. If he says, I'm not the Messiah, the religious leaders are going to leave him alone. 
If he says I'm not the king, then he doesn't have to worry about Rome, right? I mean, this is the ultimate crushing point for him early on Sunday, right? If you want to avoid Friday, then don't follow God's will on Sunday, This is the moment. Jesus, listen, all you have to do is tell them you're not truly the son of David. You're not the Hosanna. You must tell them, Jesus, listen, that you're not the king. This is his moment here. I mean, Sunday begins to catapult everything toward Friday. You have to hear this. You have to understand what's unfolding this week. And Jesus said to them, yes, I hear. And I'm assuming they're saying, well, then you're going to understand that they're calling you the Messiah. They're saying you're king. And look what he does. Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. He has the opportunity tonight, and he does not. Why? Because there's no other hope of salvation for religious people or anybody other than him coming to Friday and dying on the cross for their sins. There's no other plan for you or me. It's not like we can just figure it out on our own or we'll go to church enough or we'll do enough right things and then God will accept us. There's no other option. Jesus is saying, I am who I am. I am the great I am. Listen, it's who I am. He's the king over all kings. So Sunday, listen, Sunday urges Friday. It's Monday, March 30th, A.D. 33. The king is cursing and cleansing. Not cursing like you think. Cursing like some of you may do today if Kentucky's game doesn't go well. Watch your tongues. Listen to what happens here the text. Beginning in verse 18 of Matthew 21. In the morning as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. He curses the fig tree. And this is what Matthew says, verse 19. And the fig tree what? The fig tree withered, it says, at once. Some of you are probably wondering, what's up, bro? Why all the horticulture hate, right? Like, what's up with that? Why are you hating on the horticulture, bro? I mean, just ease up a little bit. It's just a fig tree. But that's where we, as Gentiles, don't understand, right? Matthew is a Jew writing to Jews. Jews know what fig tree means. We don't, right, we read it, we just think, what's this obscure fig tree doing here, and why is he so ticked off that it doesn't have fruit on it? But if you're a Jew and you read that, you know exactly why Jesus is doing it. Listen to this, just a couple texts from the Old Testament. Joel chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Hear this, you elders, give ear, all inhabitants of the land. So he's speaking to the nation of Israel, the leadership Specifically, for a nation has come up against my land. So he notes it's his land. It has laid waste my what? My vine and splintered my what? My fig tree. The fig tree relates to the land, which ultimately points to the nation. Further, Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Notice what he says. Israel is like the first fruit on what? The fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. So the fig tree represents who? Israel. He said, I've come to you. You are God's people. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have the law. You have the prophets. You have everything that points and testifies to me. And yet when I look at you, there is no fruit. 
to the church this morning. We cannot pass by this and think this is about just simply someone else. Beloved, you may have the most beautiful tree. Listen. The religious people had the best trees. Their trees were groomed, right? I mean, they fasted. Their trees were groomed with like long, long prayers. Their trees were groomed with not only the fact that they not just simply not obey, they were not only obeying the law, but they had extra laws to keep them so far away from the law to prove how good their tree was. And here, listen to this, hear this, here is the danger for all of us. Listen, we, we can have our prayers, we can have perfect Sunday attendance, you can have the star on your, on your chart next to your Sunday school thing, right? I mean, you can have your Bible read and marked and like, I mean, you can have everything box checked and yet you have no fruit. Jesus says, by their fruit you will what? You'll recognize them. John the Baptist said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus said in John 15, by this all people will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. He says, bear fruit. So I want all of us, listen, I don't want us to hear this and just simply think about that with some religious people back in Jesus' day. We must see that this also warns to us, we too are often trees. And we must look at our lives and we must ask a really hard question. Is there any fruit? Fruit like in the areas of what? Well, I mean, think about Galatians 5 and 22. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, come on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you see the Spirit doing that work in your heart? Listen, this is not about perfectionism. If, there was, if this was about perfectionism, there's no need for Friday. Do you see that? But listen, listen. There's an expectation for those that are in Christ who have truly been born again that they, you, I will bear fruit. So when Jesus comes and he looks at this fig tree who represents the nation of Israel and he says, listen, you guys have everything outwardly. But inwardly... You're dead and there's no fruit. And he curses the fig tree. It's a it's a it's a it's a powerful moment. But not only does listen, not only is the king cursing, right? He's also cleansing. Matthew twenty one, verse twelve through thirteen. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of what? house of prayer but you've made it a den of robbers do you see all the things he's doing this is just sunday and now monday can you imagine why the religious leaders were so upset and ticked off with him I mean, he's coming to their temple overthrowing everything he's challenging their authority he's saying they've got everything right he's saying they're blocking the way to god He's cursed the fig tree saying that there's no actual fruit. You appear perfect on the outside, but inwardly there's no true change of heart. You're dead. He's saying that he's the Messiah. He's the king. Listen, he's challenging them because they're not following him. They're not worshiping him. I mean, Jesus is doing everything. Listen, and there's just this moments of just great challenge and uproar. I know time's tight. I'm just trying to. There's so much I have written down. Let's march. Let's just keep marching. Tuesday. 
March 31st, A.D. 33. Did you hear the date? March what? March 31st. What's the day? March 31st. So this is 1,986 years ago to the day. It's Tuesday. March 31st, A.D. 33. So this is 1,986 years ago to the day. This is what Jesus was doing. The king is going to face many controversies. We don't have time. Matthew 21 through 25. You need to read through it, especially as you come toward preparing yourself for Easter. You need to hear the context and all the things that's happening. But his teaching, when I talked about him being that bull, that line, Matthew 21 through 25, I mean, he just absolutely rolls. I mean, he comes against all oppression, all of the religiosity of that day and time, of all those who thought they were something. Listen, on Tuesday, all kinds of stuff happens, right? He comes back in the temple on Tuesday. Remember, he's just overturned everything on Monday, and they're asking him this question, how do you have the authority to do this? And remember, he answers them in that question, kind of like CW. I don't know if you guys remember OCW. Often you'd ask, see a question, all right, and he would respond with a question. He was always so wise. Like, I'm like, see, I, I, I can't keep up, bro. Like, listen, but Jesus, listen, they try to trap him, and so he responds back with a question. Then they try to trap him again. Like, hey, listen, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the money that has on there, right, to, to Caesar. Who should we give this to, right? I mean, he's trying to trap them, right? I mean, he's going to, they're trying to trap Jesus, and he says, well, Whose inscriptions on it? He says, Caesar said, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what? What is God's? And then they try to trap him again. They say, listen, there's a guy who was married and he had a wife, they didn't have any kids. And it went on. He married brother, brother, brother. She married brother, brother, brother. Finally, they all die. Who's, who's, whose wife will she be at the resurrection? And he says, well, actually, you're an heir because you don't know the scriptures. And we'll neither marry nor be given in marriage in heaven, but we'll be like the angels. And they just constantly try to trap him. And then he begins to teach. And again, this is all Tuesday. All these people are around. The religious leaders are around. He's done all this stuff. There's so much, so many things happening on Tuesday. And he begins to teach on Tuesday. And he tells like these parables, these stories. And one of the stories, he says, listen, it's like this man who had a wedding. And, and he said, listen, he wanted to invite all these guests, all these people that should be coming. He went and said it to them and said, listen, I'm having a wedding. I want you to come, be a part, come feast. Now, listen, the wedding represents God's kingdom. He's inviting them into God's kingdom. And then everybody that should come is just too busy. Or they have this excuse or that excuse. And so he just simply says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Invite the blind, the lame. He, he's saying, the kingdom should be coming to you and you're refusing it. And so therefore, listen, the kingdom is going to others. Church, don't let that be you. The kingdom is staring you in the face this morning from the word of God. The cross is right before you. You know the songs. You know the verses. You've given money. You've prayed. You've even gone on mission trips. And yet there is the possibility that you could stand before the Messiah and he very well may say to one of us, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never what? I never knew you. It's a terrifying moment. And the danger is if you don't realize that we are just like these religious people, all of us have this in our heart. We must fight against it and come to the Savior. We must recognize that we are all in desperate need. All of us here. He told more stories and more things. And 
There was so much there, but I, I don't have time. But maybe I'll just highlight just again to help you see this, this controversies and the things that are happening. Look with, if you would, Matthew 23. Again, I don't have time. There's so much. You need to read it. You need to hear it. It's Tuesday, March 31st, AD 33. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 13, begin to speak. Again, all the people are around, all right? The religious leaders are present. All the people are there. Everybody's clamoring. Is he the Messiah? Is he the king? He pronounces these seven woes. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you, listen, this is it. Listen, these, 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 these scribes, Pharisees are the most religious people, right? I mean, they're, they're always, like we could use in our vernacular, they're always at church. They're here Sunday, Wednesday. They're always, they know it. They're, listen to what he says. For you neither enter, you don't enter, nor do you allow those who would enter to go in. He says, you are blocking people from the past. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much, listen to what he calls them, a child of what? A child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, verse 16, blind guides. Now he's gone from calling them hypocrites to calling them blind guides. Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Woe to you, verse 23, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, you guys are out tithing, doing all the outward things. Look what he says. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. He's saying you're missing what's most important. You're doing the religious stuff that everybody sees. But he says, I'm God and I see your heart. You can fool this church. You can fool the community. You can fool the nations. But you will not fool Almighty God. That should strike terror in every heart to come and say, Oh God, have mercy on me. Change my heart. Do you, do, do you all hear this? This is the Master speaking. These are the most religious people that... God help us see it. Beloved, I don't want you to miss the kingdom. I don't want my own soul to miss the kingdom. I must hear this word. It must be preached to my own soul this morning. God is saying, Blake, be careful unless you preach this gospel, as Paul said, and later be disqualified. You realize there will be preachers in hell, do you not? Missionary, Sunday school teachers, you say, Blake, how, how, how close might you come? How close could you come to Christ and still go to hell? Judas Iscariot kissed him on the cheek, beloved. Dear God, help us hear these words. He says, these you ought to have done. Listen, he's, he's not saying that, listen, we should not do. Listen, you don't hear this today and think, well, I guess you're saying I don't need to give. I don't need to go to church. I mean, you're just saying none of that matters. No, he says, these you ought to have done, right? I mean, absolutely. But don't neglect the others. Let this be from a heart that you give joyfully, that you serve willingly, that you study and you come and be a part of this. Why? Because he's redeemed you. Because you've been transformed, not because we have to. That's so miserable and people know it. 
Woe to you, verse 25, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. If I come to your house or you come to my house, I don't care how good it looks on the outside. If inside that bowl there's like nasty like maggots or anything else, I don't care what you've cooked and how good it tastes. You put it in that bowl, I'm not eating it. Some of you still would. I know that, right? I'm not eating it. Jesus, listen, guys. You're polishing the cup. You got it figured out on Sundays. You know the song. You can put your hands up. Right? I mean, I mean, you. But I know what's on the inside and it's greed and self-indulgence. Listen, he's not finished. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are light like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Can you imagine? Do you understand now a little bit more why we're headed to Friday so quickly? I mean, he's just put the most religious people on that day on blast. I mean, he's just absolutely filled everybody's feet up, right? I mean, it's, it's receiving all the likes. I mean, everybody's saying, do you hear this guy? Right? And do you see the danger for the religious people? The danger for the religious people is this. If they allow it to continue, then they must be, he must be right. The only other option is to put that brother to death and get him out of here. It's Tuesday, but Friday is coming. Do you feel it? Do you hear the weight of it? He calls them finally in verse 33 of Matthew 23, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? And the only answer for any of us to escape being sentenced to hell is to come to the Son and be forgiven and be redeemed. And here's the harrowing part of this text. Is the vast majority of these religious people will not do that. Will you, this morning, will you return back out those doors like everything is, is cupcakes and unicorns for you? Or will you just finally own it this morning and say, the inside of my cup, the outside may look clean to everybody, but the inside of my cup is dirty. And I need someone who can cleanse my heart by taking that dirtiness on himself on the cross and giving me his purity and holiness right here. It's Tuesday, but we need Friday. And praise God, Sunday's still coming. Wednesday, April 1st, AD 33. The king is being conspired against. Wednesday is one of the quietest days that we have of Jesus' final week. I would venture to say maybe the quietest of days. Luke 21 through 22 records some things, but there's not a whole lot happening. But we do hear this from the prophet or from the words of Matthew. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, right? He's talked about the end of the world, all kinds of stuff, right? If you ever wonder about the end of the world, some of you are very interested Follow Jesus, right? Walk with him there. Matthew 21 through 25, he comes to that at the end of those sharing on Tuesday. When Jesus had finished all these saying, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. And the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. Jesus knows that Friday is coming. He knows it's this Friday. It's coming. Listen to what happens though. Verse three. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to reject to arrest Jesus by stealth and what? kill him but they said listen to this verse 5 this is important but they said not during the what 
the feast. Now, the feast will not end until the following Thursday, about April, uh, April 9th. Jesus knows that he's going to die on the cross here coming in just a couple days. Like, it's Wednesday, but Friday is coming. Just two more days, he says. The Passover, listen, I'm going to die. Why? Because I'm the Passover lamb, right? You gotta, you gotta come on. You gotta come back in a few weeks. You gotta hear about this. It's pretty amazing what happens. All these other lambs are dying at that time, and there's finally a perfect once and for all lamb who's dying on the cross. It's a beautiful, it's hauling, but it's the glory of God because he's dying there for us. But on Wednesday, the plot is thickening, and they're saying, listen, we've we got to get it by stealth, right? Now you, some of you are with me because you know Thursday night they show up during the night, don't they? You know, you're, start, you're starting to follow, like, all this fits together. It does. So Sunday, Jesus entered as Messiah and King, right? They're crying out, Hosanna, Son of David. Monday, he's going to curse the fig tree. He's going to cleanse the temple. On Tuesday, there's all these teachings that are happening, right? And he's calling out everyone, calling them ultimately, listen, to come to the Son. Don't refuse the Son. And then there's Wednesday. They began to plot and kill him and... It kind of, listen, Wednesday is just, by Wednesday, everything's kind of been, the setting, the plot, the book, it's unfolding, right? I mean, you're, if you're just following, you're starting to say, listen, I know who some of the key characters are. I know there's Jesus. I know there's the disciples. I know that there's there's the religious leaders of that day. I know there's the Roman rule. I see the characters. I see the setting unfolding. Jesus first Caesar. Jesus first the religious people. Jesus loved and adored by the least of these the king has come. And it seems that only one of two things can happen now. Either Jesus proves his messiahship by throwing off Roman oppression. And he begins to set up his rule. And, and this, this kingdom that everyone had been waiting for. He begins to set it up right then and there. Or he dies. But what they don't know is, is that sometimes in life we always feel like there's maybe just one of two options. But God, listen, God's way is not man's way. I mean, some of you, listen, you don't think there's any other option in that relationship? Some of you don't think there's any other option with that school? Some of you think there's no other options with your job or your finances? Some of you think there's no other options with that diagnosis? Some of you, listen, you think there's just no other options? That's what they thought. Listen, either he's going to prove himself by being the Messiah, throw off Rome, or he's going to die. And listen, listen, what they don't know is, yes, he's going to die. But listen, even on Wednesday morning, we must never forget that Sunday is coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming. So listen, today, there's some options before you. You can remain religious. You just keep polishing the outside of that cup. You just you keep doing what everybody on the outside thinks. But listen, most of you, if you just be straight with me, come on. From, from a brother that once stood in a balcony, hung over, singing from the night before. I could sing the songs. I knew the verses the preacher was preaching. I could shake your hand at the door and smile and act like everything was good. Some of you are fronting. And you, you can you can keep playing your religious game, but I'm telling you, in the balcony that morning, I'll never forget it. God just kept saying, "Blake, I see you." It was terrifying. I'll never forget it. I was being that balcony that morning of that church, and God was just saying, "Blake, I see you. I see you." And listen, this is what just kept coming at me like a flood. He said, "I see you, and I love you." 
I was like, no, God, I was singing the songs and I was just having this war on the inside. God, you couldn't love me. You know what I did last night. You know about my life. God, you couldn't love me. Like, I see you. I know you. And I love you. Let's, let's just stop playing these games, Blake. Come on, you fool all these people here. But I see you. I know you. Some of you listen. That's a, you, you know it. He sees you. And you're just going to keep polishing the cup. <laughs> Dear God, don't do it. Please. Please. Don't keep doing it. Please. Please. Please, dear God, don't let them keep doing it. Please don't do it. Please. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, how far off, how long you've been gone. He still loves you. He died for these very people. Oh, God. And then, listen, this is this. So there's either you can remain religious or you can rebel and just run. You can just rebel and just run and say, you know what? I'm done with church. I'm done. With, I tried all that stuff. It didn't work. I know it worked for other people. I'm just, I'm done. So, I mean, I'm tired of all the other religious people that are there. Listen, that, that, I can fool you. That's the danger, right? The religious people. He said, listen, not only do you not enter in, but you're keeping others. Other people are watching your life and they're saying, if that's what a Christian is, then I'm no different. If they're going to heaven, I must be good too. God, please help us this morning. So you can remain religious or you can rebel and run or beloved, there is a third option. And it's often not seen and it's not popular. But it's not to be religious. It's not to rebel, but it is instead to repent. It is to repent and come and say, that one there on the cross, I need him. The inside of me is so dirty. No one in this church may know it. Your mama may not know it. Your granny may not know it. But God Almighty knows it. And he, Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you and I were still sinners, Christ, he died for us. Would you come and repent and say, God, would you clean the inside of me? That's why Jesus is still there. Do you see it? He knows that there's no other hope for religious people like these folks and like us. He has to go to the cross. He has to die. Or we're doomed forever. This morning, will you remain religious? Or will you rebel and run? Or by the grace of God, might you repent and cry out, clean the inside of me. Clean the inside of me. And listen, when he cleans the inside of you, it'll begin to transform the outside of you. It's just an absolutely amazing thing called the new birth when God puts his spirit in you. That transforms us from the inside out. It's no longer because I have to. It's because I want to and I get to. It is total transformation. This morning I invite you to come. As our music folks come. I invite you this morning just to come. Please come. Please. To the people who are hung over this morning. Or you just. You've totally blown it. Would you come. To the most religious people. You you mean you. You're just trusting that you've been in church all your life. You've always done the right things. I mean, you, 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 you're you almost happy that you've not done a lot of those things. And praise God that you haven't lived like some of us in here. But listen, if you're trusting in your good works, I want you to know you won't enter the kingdom either. 
all this morning, everyone here, no matter what camp or somewhere in between you find yourself, you must come and repent and call out to the Son, clean me, clean me. This morning, would you come? Would you come because He loves you? He sees you and He loves you. Would you come this morning? Would you just come and just say, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? This is not only just for the first time, right? I mean, some of you are in Christ, but you know your life is not honoring Him. This morning, would you just come? Cry out, clean the inside of me, God, please. Would you come this morning? Would you stand, sing? Would you come and bow? Come on, I know He's speaking to some of you. Come on, please, this morning. Please, this morning. He sees you, but He loves you. You are not too far gone. You're not too dirty. You've not been gone away too far along. There's a father who still sits on the porch and watches for those who are in a far off land that they would come back. And there's still a father who goes outside to the most religious older brothers and older sisters and said, this son who was your brother of yours who was dead is now alive. Why don't you come in and celebrate? And the terrifying thing about that story, beloved, and I'm going to finish, is the one who had been way off, he comes in. The story of Luke 15 finishes with the religious older brother still outside. Come on. Come on in. Come on. Come on. Come home. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.